Welcome to Today in TO. I'm Danny Stover. Imagine this. You're being sprayed by a hose, and you want it to stop. Do you find the water source and switch it off, or do you slap a piece of tape on the nozzle and hope for the best? Because it seems like Toronto only has the capacity to tape the nozzle. And we keep wondering why we're getting soaked. And certainly not to make light of a truly tragic situation, but on this episode, you'll hear about the latest violent act to hit the city. It involves the death of 16-year-old Gabriel Margellis. After what police say was a random, unprovoked stabbing on TTC property, a 22-year-old has been charged with first-degree murder. And here's Gabriel's mother, Andrea Margellis. I asked if he had the chance to, to fight back. But I was told he had no chance to defend himself. This guy just came with a knife. I used to feel safe in the city, but now I don't. I I don't blame that one person. I think he needs help. Incredible empathy. And she's right. She shouldn't have to say it, but she is right. We need to be doing more of what works, not the same things that aren't. And you'll hear more on that coming up. Also, Ontario is ending a program to provide health care to folks who are uninsured. This is a huge deal and not in a good way. Firstly, people that are in have OHIP coverage that don't have any treatment plan uh, because there's two million Ontarians that don't have a family doctor. And then couple that with this, it's very concerning that we have people out there who will not be able to have care. That's a big concern. That was Angela Priocanon, a board member with the Ontario Nurses Association. And what do you think it even costs anyway to seek out treatment at a hospital if you don't have health insurance? It's a lot. You'll get more on that coming up in this episode of Today in TO. seen the movie Stutz? We may not have known each other then, but earlier this year, I watched the documentary Stutz with Jonah Hill, and it became my entire personality for like two weeks. Now, if you don't know, Stutz is a film about the life and career of Dr. Phil Stutz. He's not a regular therapist. He's a cool therapist. And there were lots of things that really resonated with me and my own mental health journey. There's a part from the movie that I think about quite a lot, and it's this idea of the choice. The choice to do nothing or to keep going. And this isn't like a choice between indica or sativa. It's not that simple. It's a choice between holding tighter and letting go. Now, with holding tighter, you kind of reinforce the damage that's been done to you. If someone hurt you, you need them to make changes or you need them to be accountable before you can move on. You get stuck in what's referred to as the maze. And look, the average person wants fairness. You want those who wronged you or who crossed you to own up to it. But you're not always going to get it from them. And you may waste loads of time and energy stuck in this maze, getting caught up in harmful patterns, doing the same things over and over and over again, 
and expecting different results. So stay with me here. Stutz recommends this exercise where you close your eyes and you picture this world or this universe of love. Try it now. Come on, it's just you and me. I won't judge. Close your eyes and imagine a world of love. And if a world is too large of a playground, make it Toronto. Picture the city flowing with so much love. It's everywhere, on our main streets, downtown, in our parks, along the waterfront, in the subways, on our highways, in restaurants, bars, bike lanes. And you may be rolling your eyes at this part. But it boils down to this. The world moves forward. It never, ever stops. And if you want to stew over the past, for sure, feel it, sit with it, learn from it. But then choose active love, as Stutz calls it, and keep pushing forward. You don't need to know exactly where you're going, but there's no need to waste time in the maze. It does nothing for you. I think Toronto is stuck in the maze. Always looking back, trying to place blame and force people into accountability, it actually gets in the way of progress. And it's painting a grim future for the city, to be honest. We have been dealing with some truly horrific and violent crimes, some of them random and unprovoked. A 16-year-old boy, Gabriel Margelis, is dead after he was stabbed by someone in Kiel Station on Saturday night the person who is facing charges, unhoused, and only 22. 16 and 22. Let that sink in. Gabriel's mother, Andrea Margalis, said Gabriel had been out that night with friends at the Eaton Center, but was late. Then my husband read on the news that a man had been stabbed at Kiel Station, I knew Kiel was the station where Gabriel was going. Uh, Gabriel was going to and coming from, but I didn't think anything of it because he's a kid. He's not a man. Andrea's texts and calls to her son went unanswered. She even left the front door unlocked that night in case Gabriel had forgotten his key. And then detectives arrived and confirmed the worst had happened. So I want to hold space for the family, of course, his parents, his brother, his friends, his classmates, the community. I want to hold space for you. This is heavy stuff. And it's hard to talk about. And there are ripples. But what is truly astounding to me is this level of empathy exhibited here by Gabriel's mother. I asked if he had the chance to to fight back. But I was told he had no chance to defend himself. This guy just came with a knife. I used to feel safe in the city, but now I don't. I I don't blame that one person. I think he needs help. I'm not going to lie. That brought tears to my eyes the first time I heard it. And she's right. She shouldn't have to say it, but she's right. And even if the suspect was known to police, was already being bounced around the justice system, as some have reported... What point does that make? That our systems are flawed? Cool. Welcome to 2023. I get so annoyed because every time something like this happens and we're seeing it mirrored in the States, we clutch our pearls and we say, oh, 
what can be done? It's like we're being sprayed by a hose, and instead of finding the water source and switching it off so we can get dry, we just put tape on the nozzle, and then we pat ourselves on the back for a job well done until the next time we get soaked, and we're like, wait, how does this keep happening? So where is the water source? What are the root causes of crime? By definition, they are poverty, parental neglect, low self-esteem, and alcohol and drug misuse. In reality, addressing these concerns at a city level would be investing in more social services, after-school programs, providing school lunches, offering more robust job programs for youth to give them opportunities, trauma counseling, intervention programs, housing, mental health, and addiction supports. Not more police, not a cut to TTC services, not an increase in price to those services. We've done this over and over and over again, and it's tape on a nozzle. Here is Alejandra Bravo, City Councilor for Ward 8, Davenport. Coming out of a pandemic, which was traumatizing, which created a lot of pressure economically on people. And now we're into a high inflation environment with rents that have soared beyond any understanding. A record number of people worried about losing their home or on the street. And those kinds of economic pressures added to the existing ones means that we have to treat this like what it is. We're in a really difficult time as a society. And it's got to be all hands on deck because it's the most vulnerable people that are paying the price for this. Josh Matlow, city councilor for Ward 12 and a mayoral candidate, has gotten a lot of airtime on this pod already, but he has been banging on this drum for quite some time. Address the root causes of crime. Here's Matlow on how the city has been handling homelessness, for example. I don't believe that this city has done its part, including the provincial and federal governments, frankly. Just clearing people violently out of parks doesn't solve the problem. What happens is that, A, our government is being violent to its own citizens. You, that's not what we should be doing in democracy. But moreover, um, it just wasn't effective. The homeless who were in the parks went to other parks. They went to ravines. They went under bridges. They went to laneways. And yes, some went to the transit system. So it didn't actually fix anything. It just moved the challenges around. It's violence. It's property over people. And honestly, it's disgusting. The problem is, is that they don't have the support that they need. And the problem is when you're homeless, is that you don't have a home and they need access to homes. And that's why I support a housing first approach where, you know, the real priority should be to get these individuals on a path towards being in a home. I know people who have mental health and addiction issues, middle to upper middle class, and they're not going to the same journeys as people on the streets because they've got far more supports around them to help them out. But if you don't have a home, you're on your own. Here's Alejandra Bravo again with the last word on this. If we don't do it now, then we're we're responsible. And I take that very personally. I am a politician and I think mm. this is where we need to be putting our attention. We know that we can't just keep doing the things that don't work. Like just constantly investigating after the fact is something that we just can't morally do anymore. And I, I hope that it doesn't have to be another event. This has got to be the, the call to action that we all needed. Coming up, the Ontario government isn't really coming through with much financial help for Toronto, and they're cutting funding to health care, which once again hits the most vulnerable people in our society the hardest. More on that after this with producer Glenn Bragonier. 
Toronto Island is a beautiful getaway destination spot for many who are trying to enjoy the lake in a hot summer months. But did you know that it actually started off as a peninsula? It wasn't until the year 1852 that the once peninsula was formed into an island after a massive storm ripped through the shoreline and created a channel in the water which Toronto quickly filled with sand to try to restore its mainland connection. But Mother Nature, who was not one to be outdone, sent another and even more severe storm to pummel the island in 1858, which created the now permanent and still existing channel. And then in 1947, the city was going through a housing crisis and turned to the island to help address it by expanding what was only summer colonies on Ward's Island to year-round colonies all across. Shortly after their homes were built, a school, nurseries, farms, police and fire departments, and even a yacht club were built. And to this day, there are about 600 people who live year round on the island. So if you're thinking about visiting, whether it be to have a beautiful bike ride, a picnic, do some nature walking, or even do some suntanning in your birthday suit, the best place to be is Toronto Island. Are you familiar with the 12 social determinants of health? You might have heard that there are more or less, but Canada has 12 listed on its website and they are as follows. Income and social status, employment and working conditions, education and literacy. Those are the top three. Then comes childhood experiences, physical environments, social supports and coping skills, healthy behaviors, access to health services, biology and genetic endowment, gender, culture, and race and racism. So the idea behind this is that there are social and economic factors that influence people's overall health and happiness. And this isn't new. This isn't rocket science. And yet here in Toronto, the TTC is cutting back services, for example, and charging more. We spent a lot on policing and security and don't really have metrics on how well that did or didn't work. And the province just announced that they would be ending a program established at the beginning of the pandemic to provide health care to those without coverage under OHIP. So who generally are the people in our societies who are uninsured, who don't have a health card? Here's Angela Priocanon with the Ontario Nurses Association. Well, certainly anyone who uh, doesn't have a fixed address wouldn't have a, the opportunity to have an updated health card if they have a health card at all. So, you know, these are, are really concerning uh, factors in the social determinants of health and how are we going to manage and look after the people out there that really need care. Uninsured Ontarians will still have access to some publicly funded health care services, midwifery, public health and emergency care, for example. However, in a statement, the Ontario Medical Association says ending this program will be detrimental to the livelihood of those experiencing marginalization. And these folks are often facing the most barriers in our society anyway. And we just keep piling it on, it seems. I was also curious, how much does it typically cost if you're uninsured? I went to the Scarborough Health Network website and a standard ward room will run you 2800 bucks. Dialysis, nearly $1,000. You need some lab tests run, that'll cost you about 125 bucks a pop. Oh, 
and there's a per diem surcharge of $1,056 and uninsured patients may also be required to place a deposit at the hospital prior to receiving any care. So you get the idea. And you know what folks who need medical care but don't have coverage typically do? Well, if you don't have the money, you might not get treated. You might put it off. And it might get worse. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the conversation earlier about addressing root causes. In the end, it costs more in the long run, and it's not equitable. Not only that, this is people's health and happiness and livelihood we're talking about. What kind of message does this send? Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Amanda Capito, Jason Chapman, and Chris Dunner are advisors to the show. We've got new episodes out every Wednesday, so tell a friend, maybe two, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.